Hello and welcome to episode 21 of the Ambitious Filmmaker Podcast. Today in the studio, we have educator and content creator Robert Teagarden. With Robert, we discuss his journey from being a musician and how that evolved into a career in video, the importance of putting in the reps in order to create our best work, and our social responsibility as filmmakers and storytellers. Welcome to the Ambitious Filmmaker Podcast. Can you guys hear me? Yeah. yeah. Woo. There it is. So it begins. What's up? <laughs> what is going down? What's Dude, it's so like it's so nice to uh uh not even see you, I guess not in person at all, but like not just on Instagram. It's crazy, right? I marvel at the internet and how it gives this kind of connectivity and ability. I like Mark, I don't even remember how we connected. I think we just kind of stumbled across each other, right? Uh, yeah, I don't know if it like either you comment on one of my stuff or I come uh, commented on yours. But I was telling them I was like, I don't even know how we got connected. I just <laughs> yeah. But this is like the thing. I think the video community online is so it's so supportive for the most part, and you get the place if you're really authentic and and ambitious in terms of where you're coming from. Like you, there were like minded people were all over the country doing this type of stuff. So it's yeah, it's just such a perfect blend, you know. Cool. Well, dude, I'm pumped to dive into this. Uh, just yeah, same. You, dude, like we're like already diving into it, man. We came out of the gate, swinging. Like we're we're talking philosophy already. Like this isn't pre-show yeah. banner anymore, dude. We are in it. Uh, hello and welcome to another episode of the Ambitious Filmmaker Podcast. We are here, joined in the studio today with educator and content creator Robert T. Garden. Rob, great to me. have you in the studio. He's talking about me. <laughs> <laughs> nice to be here with you guys. Super cool. Mark, did you, you said music business in Nashville. Did you go to Belmont? I did. Yeah. Nice, Belmont. man. Yeah. Nice. I don't know if I mentioned this to you, but I do a fair amount of, so I, both my master's and undergraduate are in music business. You know, I've been a musician my entire life and, and, you know, ever since I was like a little dude, I was going to the LA Philharmonic with my uncle and I was like three, yeah. you know, season tickets type of stuff. And um, I remember I was singing in high school, one of my, friends that was a grade above me came back and handed me a signed copy of incubus make yourself uh, press photo right and i went nice. at this point like science which actually is funny it just came up on my my uh my shuffle last night i was like you know cleaning up the house after the kids went to sleep and uh, glass came on from science and i was like wow this album just changed <laughs> my life so she hands me this thing and everything you know it's to robert i have it floating around in my office somewhere uh, and I said, I don't care what I have to do. Wherever you got this from is where I'm spending the next four years of my life. <laughs> so <laughs> it turned out it was just the school down the street. So I applied to like all these schools, knowing that I could care less if I got in or not. And uh, and that was the thing. And so performing kind of got to a place where I just really just wanted to understand my contracts better and know like what it meant to you know be like a working musician and found my way into copyright so that I could have a job that paid the bills, but still perform on the weekend and go on little mini tours and things like that in an environment where people yeah. understood like it's okay to kind of leave and play. Um, and that turned into 15 some odd years of me being in, you know, rights management and licensing and stuff. And so the reason I, <laughs> I mentioned Belmont is the first yeah. job offer I got was at Belmont. That's such a small world, man. So crazy. So then, yeah, how, what was world. the transfer? I'm cur- I'm always curious about this because I feel like music is my superpower in video. Yeah. I feel like there's some stat that we can pull that the music <laughs> to video transfer guys are like Did the I- biggest part of our industry. 
to circle back to be corny about the marvels of the internet, like that's one of the things that I talk about so often is that like, it is, you know, it's the Casey Neistat, like it is the ultimate meritocracy. Like if people dig what you're doing, like the market speaks for itself and there's no need for approval. You know, when you talk about from my side, like I'm always telling I, I seem so strange saying like my students because they're like literally like only a couple of years younger than I am. Um, but like I talk about the fact that you like we we ultimately decide whether something's good or not. And like to the term like gatekeepers, like mainstream, no matter how you categorize it, whether it's news, media, whatever, like they're just responding to what we do at this ground level, which I think is right. it's definitely the first time that that's ever happened. I mean, in it, especially like in the parlance of what's going on right now uh, over the last couple of weeks, like we are the storytellers like the people are the storytellers and the news is merely just reacting to what we're putting out there and telling people so i i'm i'm right there with you man like it's i think it's um now is the is the only time we've seen the ability to start to broadcast a signal of what we're doing and like you go kevin kelly a thousand true fans like and literally just build your fan base on your own and as long as they're responding to it, like it can be this little microcosm, but that's a fruitful living that our, our parents just didn't have the ability to do that. Like you yeah. have to have somebody say like, you're cool or you're not. And that was the only right. way that it happened. But it's an amazing time to be cutting your teeth in that regard. I think it's really cool. Well, you hit the nail on the head. Like there's been all these gatekeepers in our industry. Yeah. And they're like, well, the business is kind of these like, like higher end secrets that we're not going to share with you. Like you got to go right. through this 20 year ringer of maybe then you might break out if somebody likes you. And it's like, no, 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 right. no. Like I made a six figure income right out of college doing this. Right. And it took right. a couple clients and yep. like, it's not easy, but like, right. What we want is like, no, you're, you're in control of your own, your own destiny, your own career. And like, yeah. Heck, it's just yeah. the ability to kind of carve out your own little niche and, and, you know, find a need and fill it type of thing. So. Yeah, I, I mean that's really what it is—just compressing the time frame that it takes us to cut our teeth. And I think, you know, as a lifelong creative, that's something that is—it uh, can be daunting to younger aspiring creatives. But that doesn't—and I think, you know, I think a lot of the stuff is there's still things that have to take time. You have to get your ass kicked right. by clients a couple of times. You have to, you know, understand the reason that you're crossing your T's and taking the extra five minutes and just, like those, that's the, those level ups are the things that are going to really create the difference between a person that messes around with some wedding videos every once in a while, or like I'm yeah. my family by doing this, yeah. you know? So those yes. things, I don't think that you can, you can shortcut. Um, but having the understanding of like, Oh, this is why a contract's important. This is why it's important to invoice this way. This is what, like how to build out my stuff. Those are, you know, the hardcore tactics of it. I think you can shortcut some stuff um, and just general mindset, like what it takes to actually be this person. Like there's a, there's an archetype of a mentality that it takes to be an individual that says like, I'm going to have the world pay me for the way I view things like that. The audacity <laughs> in that statement in and of itself is crazy. But yet that's, you know, hundred percent. It's like this weird ego, egoless statement that we end up making you know it's wild yeah 100 percent. yeah oh, people mindset. people buy on trust you know yeah totally. yeah the internet is just an amazing place and i think we would never be able to do this for a variety of reasons but uh you know mark and i found each other through happenstance and he uh, he wrote me in, and i'm super happy to be here chatting about this stuff with you guys so Woo. thanks for having me
Glad to have you. 10 years ago, like this is just saying, just even 10 years ago, 2010, we, yeah. we wouldn't be able to do this in any way, Nothing. shape, or form. Instagram no. would have been brand spanking new with their yep. shit filters and uh, <laughs> you know, back when people actually used it just to document memories rather than yeah. the, you know, financial Building businesses. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you know, back when it was just a digital photo album. Uh, Zoom, like video calling like this would have been reserved for like corporate enterprise right. level entities. Like, Can you imagine how stoked the people at Zoom must be right now to just have this unbelievable <laughs> windfall in their business? Like no one was planning on this happening. No one was saying, they're just like, yeah, you know, Skype's kind of cool. We're just this secondary competitor. Now it's like four times a day we're using this product and service. Yeah. It's unbelievable. You know, the real... What I got to say now, too, is the man or woman or both who was an early investor in Zoom and like, oh, I'm putting my God. life savings in this. It's going to change the world. And everyone's like, are you serious? And, uh, and what are you doing? Like, honey, just trust me. Honey, please. I promise you this is going to be worthwhile. And, and the wife's on the other side just stabbing the steak because she's thinking, I can't believe this. She's talking to her friends the next day. You know what Phil did? And now he's a billionaire. Yeah. And now he's a billionaire. Yeah. And COVID happened. Yeah. yeah. COVID happened. Did you guys, you mentioned Instagram. Did you guys use Best Camera, Chase Jarvis's app? Or I feel like I'm the only one that used to use this thing. It's, there's a whole, might be the only one. (laughs) It's, it's worth a Google to hear this story. Um, It was, it was literally everything Instagram was before Instagram came into the fray. And I think that there's some like legal stuff that's going on between the two of them. But, um, ah. but yeah, it, it was rad. It, I remember using it and, and thinking it was just the coolest thing. And the concept was the best camera is the one that you have with you, which nice. is kind of one of the things I say all the time. And that's yes. you know, where the, the whole name came from. So, uh, yeah, man, it's uh, it's just an incredible little spot. And I think it plays in perfectly, too, to what you guys are talking about in terms of not only reach and the ability to contact people and send this message through you know, the interwebs, thanks to Al Gore, <clears throat> and, uh, but just the ability to kind of cut your teeth and form like a business. Like I, I think the, the main reason why I started to put so much time and energy and, and focus from the music side into a video side is... I mean, you're, you're invisible as a small business if you don't play in this space. Yeah. And so, you know, coming from it, from just trying to look at where the opportunity lied, uh, it was really in this video aspect for small businesses where I started to focus on. You know, I, literally one of my main retainer clients right now has, has been a, a really close friend for over 10 years. They had a great, successful business that was running. And over the last two years, they were just flat year over year. Still great. I mean, you know, they've got a beautiful life, but it literally, you know, year over year was flat. And he said, we just started taking a nap on our social media and our video creation and, and the revenue was showed. And, you know, this month alone, they said, we've been working together for the past six months. And they said, uh, April and May in the middle of COVID were the highest months that they had on record from a revenue standpoint. So like, I, yeah, you know, it's like the communication that this allows, um, and, and the visibility that it puts for people, uh, is just incredible. So I'm I'm just stoked that we get this opportunity to try and speak to a generation of people that are, you know, going to Best Buy buying their first cameras and trying to do, like figure out how do you do this? Like what is what does it mean to be somebody that, you know, represents this community well? Because yeah. uh, I'm 
sure i'm sure we know of so many people that are you know we've probably picked up i know i picked up the bag for a couple of clients where you know they shot it and they left and they you know money took the bag and ran and that sort of thing it's like i don't want that to be what we have going forward in this community i want there yeah. to be responsible people that bring quality product and raise the the ships for everyone else so absolutely yeah. And like you, you mentioned, like everybody comes in, I guess now at a different time, like whether they go to college, whether they just go to Best Buy and right. pick up a camera, you know, our industry is so fluid now. There's not only one way to get in, yeah. you know, but the principles oh, yeah. to how to run your business, whether no matter how you get in it are very similar, you yeah. know, and kind of in that, like you didn't start out as a video student, did you? No, <laughs> no, I didn't. Not at all. So it's fine. I mean, you know, you guys are talking about knowing each other since high school and I've been really fortunate to have a very close knit group of friends from the time I was in like elementary school. And so we would uh, just kind of smash around and doing silly stuff. Like, you know, we were skater kids, BMXers, that sort of thing. And so, you know, along with that comes the documenting of those sorts of things. Yeah. But yeah. But, you know, musician born and raised and um, really just fortunate uh, and so blessed to be able to travel the world performing. I, I was in a bunch of death metal, hardcore stuff, but also like a classically trained vocalist for most of my life. Nice. Um, so I, I traveled around quite a bit in my, you know, later in high school, kind of junior, senior year. And then all through college, I was able to, you know, go to Europe a bunch of times and, you know, win all these corny vocal awards and all that stuff. Um, and so it came out of, of school, music business, undergraduate and a master's degree in uh, really just wanted to be in a place where I wasn't getting screwed contractually and I could keep performing um, landed in the, the safe side of the business and rights management and, and finance um, and did that game for, you know, a better part of 10, 15 years. Uh, worked for the largest record company in the world for over 10 years and um, did, had a lot of fun. But at the same time, like I was clicking save on Excel every day. Like uh-huh. I'm a whiz at macros to no points of my own, but, but like they started asking me to reconcile stuff to the penny and do all this like stuff that I knew what was going on and I understood the thing, but like I would just lay in bed every day trying to figure out like, am I really doing what I'm here to do? Like I'm not like an overly spiritual person, but I feel like we definitely have a reason for existing. And mine was not writing eloquent macros. Like I don't care about programming like that. Um, you know, and my wife will tell you like, it, I don't want to say depressed cause that's not really it, but like, I just wasn't, doing what I wanted to do. And my performance and music had kind of slipped down because we had, you know, bought a house, started having kids. And so, you know, being out until 1am practicing performing all the time was just not something that I could do as I'm sure you guys know. Um, and so I found this golden parachute out of the, the label system. Uh, we have a e-commerce eBay store. And so that was kind of the way that I could slide into leaving the corporate life. Um, and just by happenstance, I found this dude, Casey Neistat. And I was like, I think I could do what he's doing. Like I've done that before. Same style of like, like quick cuts, Requiem for a Dream type of thing. And I was like, you know, <laughs> I, I just feel like I could do it. So, you know, part of my severance I took, my wife was so furious and I went and I bought a Canon T6i <laughs> and, uh, and I, and I invested in a new computer and got Adobe from being a final cut guy for a long time. And, um, Heck yeah, I made 200 movies in 200 days and I kept it under wraps. Like I didn't really tell any family or friends that I was doing it. It was just a way to document. Cause I had an 18 month old and a four month old when I left, when I left my job. 
And so we got all the cool stuff, like all the walking for the first time and all like the fun, like family things. And we can watch these, you know, birthdays and Halloween and Christmas. And my kids love like seeing their life unfold, you know, on these unlisted YouTube videos that are there. And somewhere (laughs) along the line, like people said, yo, this is cool. Like I need an extra set of hands on set. Do you want to show up on Friday? I don't have any cash, but like, I think what you're doing is fun and we could use some help. Um, And being a performer and, and knowing what that sentiment meant i distinctly remember sitting on the couch with my wife and i said i I, there's no ego in this statement like people are responding to what i'm doing they're giving me an opportunity to show up i think this is my next lane and i'm not i'm gonna do everything i can to fight for this and and i've got a ride or die like my wife is just such an amazing human being and she looked at me she goes i understand exactly what you're saying and i'm gonna do everything i can to make sure that this happens and so again i'll choke up thinking about it and the and so that was almost four years ago. And so it's, uh, yeah, man, it's been up and down and, and just kind of random stuff. But like we were talking about earlier, I think like music plays into this pretty seamless transition of being a video creator. My, my line all the time is like, I'm, I'm telling the same stories. I just have more colors to paint with now. I love that. And yeah. I think video video is like the ultimate communication tool because we've not only do we have moving picture, but we've got stills, we've got text, we've got the color that we can start to like create moods with. Obviously, music plays into it, sound design plays into it. We've got voiceover, we've got all these different methodologies to tell a story where like a picture is a way, a music is a way, like a painting is a way. When you view yourself as kind of this quasi-documentarian storyteller, like this is just the place I've I've really been able to stretch out and excel. Uh, and, and I don't know why, but people keep calling me and asking me to do stuff for them. And so I keep saying yes, and the bills get paid. And, and I'm really, you know, I don't think I've ever been more fulfilled in what I'm actually doing than what I'm doing right now. And, and so, you know, checkbox checked and, uh, you know, here we are just trying to, to reach out and, and talk to you awesome guys. So give me some time to stretch on that one. Yeah, that's it. Man, that's awesome. So, I mean, I'm I'm curious because uh, I'm just curious. Like, you're yeah. working with a lot of brands now. You're four years into it. You found success, and now yeah. you mentioned you know you've got some things going on YouTube. But like, what's the future look like for filmmaking? Other than just clients, that's work? a great. Yeah, I mean, that's a great question, man. I, I think for me, like, I have kind of a narrow viewpoint in this, and and my real, my biggest interest in getting into film work <laughs> was looking at the the prevalence of smaller businesses, not just from like an actual, you know, I've got four walls and we sell a product or a service or whatever, but I, I primarily work with social influencers. And as weird of a thing that wasn't, like I was so against the concept of, you know, like look at my breakfast or I've, you know, do a lot of squats. Or, that's just in general <laughs> principle. That's not something that resonates with me. Um, but I started to get into the economics of what that meant uh, and it's it's a, obviously an incredibly you know substantial thing that's gone on in our in our time. So, um, you know, uh, to me, giving the ability to aid in the storytelling aspect of these individuals' careers um, is is just unbelievable to me. And so, my focus, really, from a filmmaking standpoint, is is taking these smaller brands that you know some of them are in you know mid seven figures with some of the stuff they're doing and they're just like a person um, and helping them not just from the filmmaking side of it, 
But what does that actually mean for brand equity? What does that mean for longevity for them? What does that mean from a, a communication standpoint? Mm. How can we build this brand into being something that's not just, you know, I do exercise videos or I have, you know, a cute dog to something that really resonates with the target demographic um, and starting to put like hardcore business principles into the communication method. So um, that's really where I, like, I feel like I have this kind of unfair competitive advantage is that I have an MBA but I also can speak creative and do both of these things really well. And I feel like Heck you yeah. really either get one or the other, typically speaking, <clears throat> you get somebody that's just a badass creative, or you get somebody that understands the, the business side, but near the two <laughs> shall meet. And so, yeah. you know, I, I, I've been able to kind of double down on that aspect. And so far it's worked out pretty well. Um, the more I pay attention, the more I feel like, you know, especially with you guys too, like I, I see your approach is very similar and it's not just like, let's make a piece of content because it looks good. Like let's make it because it's going to communicate with a very targeted demographic and audience that's going to resonate for that business, generate dollars and give them a significant return on investment. So, you know, what does the distribution methodology look like? Like how do we target this thing and what type of money are we putting behind it? That's really like my biggest focus for this year is, is kind of, taking these cool visuals, but actually making it m mean something to the the company or the organization that, that I'm doing that work with. Um, so I think to me, like that's when you talk about future, like I think that's where it's going is that um, companies now more and more are expecting these pieces to live and do a specific thing. Like virality is something that I almost never hear anymore because right. the fact that like the ad space is so, it's it's so efficient um, that we can really start to make these pieces of content that that speak you know to to the designated demographic that they're going for. So I don't know in terms of documentary filmmaking or any like that's not really my bag. It's not where I play. Like I'm so interested in that space, and thankfully um, I've been able to to land a couple of interesting things uh, in the last couple of days, just that are based around civil rights movement that's going on and 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 how we as creators can use our skill set to help tell those stories and move the, the, this message along. Um, so just kind of, I'm dipping my toe in that pool right now, but, um, but that's, that's the majority of my time is spent in just working with these small businesses, getting their message out. So. Well, I want to, I want to at least recognize the fact that, you know, I was thinking about when we did connect and it was like, it was more than two years ago. It had to be yeah. like a year into your, into your, your four year journey that you talked about. Yeah. But I was no. like, I was always attracted by your content because it was always telling stories of real people, like real Thanks, authentic man. stories that like, you can just tell they're not made up. Thanks, and man. I just think yeah. like, especially this week, like you're telling some real stories. And, yeah. You know, I don't, it's, it's just, I've just felt really passionate about like, this is our responsibility as filmmakers. Yes. A hundred percent. And we I, have, I don't, a, we have a responsibility to act and to tell stories, especially for those who can't tell them, Yeah, you know, or a hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. The younger me is this like anti-establishment, you know, I, I, I mentioned, I, I grew up in, you know, death metal and hardcore bands. And so, <laughs> you know, when I'm doing music, I'm like old minor threat folding my own seven inch and like doing those sorts of things, like no labels, no nothing. I got a straight edge tattoo on my lip, like those sorts of things. <laughs> I, uh, I've always been drawn to what that means from a social point, right? Because of my background in, in rights management, I'm, I'm such a massive 
proponent of First Amendment rights and our ability to speak out and, and the fact that we live in a place that allows us the freedom to do so because there's a lot of other countries. And even if you do have that right that, you know, I remember there was a cartoonist four or five years ago, a French cartoonist that made a Muslim cartoon and they, they, they beheaded this dude. And I was like so gutted by that story to think that, that that's been that's, that's even a possibility because we don't experience that type of stuff here, you know? And so my work has, has primarily been with people of color over the last four years. Um, I'm a very provocative person. I like to really poke the bear and, and ask a lot of very difficult questions. Somehow this smile ends up getting me out of a lot of trouble, but like <laughs> I, uh, I, I've been shown tremendous and forgive me if I get emotional in talking about this, I've been shown a tremendous amount of grace in being allowed into some very difficult um, but meaningful conversations over the last two years. Um, my main client is is Kevin Hart's personal trainer. Uh, his name is Ron Boss. I rely on to call him Boss. And um, just one of the most sensational people I've ever met in my entire life. And uh, And he's you know, our work has allowed us to get into some pretty amazing rooms. And, um, and he's just been the gateway for me to be allowed to ask these very difficult conversations or questions and, and have very difficult conversations. Um, and so you combine all that stuff. And what I really feel like is right now, what we're seeing as a result of, you know, these countless killings and, and obviously George Floyd is bringing kind of everything to a head. You're seeing two different stories being told. The story that you tune on, you know, basic TV is one thing. What we are showing and what we're broadcasting with with this stuff is a completely different story. And like you said, Mark, like it is our job at this point to do what we do. And I, I remember I, I'm a massive, uh, I, I love comedy, and I, I kind of say I live my life via the gospel of a few comedians. And, and you know, Carlin's at the top of the list, Chris Rock, Richard Pryor. I remember I was 12 years old. I found Chris Rock, Richard Pryor in the movie Casino, and everything went from this nice little altar boy to fuck everything. Like it's a whole different <laughs> ball game now. And so uh, I remember I saw the the Mark Twain special for when Chappelle won the Mark Twain Award, and uh, Lauren Michaels came out, and he said that the, the, they asked Chappelle to host um, after Trump got elected. And the first thing he said when he walked in the writer's room is, this is the time where artists get to work. And I remember seeing this story unfold uh, and those words just kept ringing out in my head. And, and uh, you know, the last, uh, not this most recent Saturday, the week before, um, we have a pretty significant Black Lives Matter movement going down in LA. And I remember seeing it and grabbing the camera and going, this is, this is my job, like, let's go. Um, and thankfully, you know, a lot of that content has been resonating and, uh, and it's, it's always going to be meaningful to me, but it's obviously more because I have this very special human in my life. That's, that's allowed me to see things through a different set of lenses. Um, and then I think the most important aspect, and I know you guys can resonate with this too, is like, I've got two little boys that I don't want them seeing color lines like this. Like, I don't want them living in a world like that. Yeah. Um, and so this last weekend, I, we found a bunch of kind of, you know, on the scale of one to 10, they're probably like a three or a four in terms of their intensity and the, these protests. But um, we took him, we were walking around and, and mom was holding the boys and dad was running around with the camera documenting stuff. And, um, but I just feel so compelled, like this, this is what we do. And it's so important for us to be able to showcase what is actually happening and like the, the movement and the momentum of what's going on. Um, and complement 
the rawness of people just being in the middle of it and showing, you know, stories and selfie type of stuff with some slightly more manicured content that, uh, that lives on a little bit longer, if that, if that makes sense. Um, and it's some, it's some meaningful stuff, you know, I, I wish I could do more. And that, that's kind of why I'm mentioning this documentary style filmmaking. I've been reaching out to a lot of my friends that do a lot of that stuff and just hoping that I can lend a hand in, in continuing this message. Cause eventually I feel like these, the protests are going to die and I just don't want this momentum to die in the vine. Like I think now right. we get into a stance of like, there's an educational component that needs to take place. And that takes more time than just getting out there taking a couple snaps and, uh, Yes. You know, and then walking away saying you did your job. So, yeah, like you talked about it being emotional and like raw with the cell phone video and then more curated with yeah. the more professional video. But it's like that's that's the uh, I wouldn't say like added power that we have as, as filmmakers right. or creatives, but like we get to tailor a story for a more specific emotional response. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. That's powerful. You yeah. You, and, it, and I think it's some of the feedback. Like I, I try to, from a feedback standpoint, like I, I don't care about like what Caleb says, what Eric says, what Mark says individually. I care about you guys as a whole. What is the resounding messaging that's coming back at me, yeah. right? Um, and I think that especially for younger creators to not get hung up on a piece of feedback that you have, but what is the market in, in totality telling you? Um, it kind of goes back to the beginning of my story. Like, enough people said, this is cool. Keep pushing. Of course, there are people that are saying like, this is shit. You can't do that, blah, blah, blah. But, but you, you keep moving because the, the collective response is good. And so the collective response for some of these pieces came off exactly as I wanted it to. Like everything for me has been black and white color wise. Yeah. Uh, you know, high, high key, high contrast, black and white. Why? That's a creative choice. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a reason why we want that to be seen that way. Um, I went to pretty intense protests uh, the first weekend that we were, we were going it inevitably became like one of the worst looting and rioting that we've seen so far uh, over the last two weeks what i chose to show was the majority of the time that i was there uh there was thousands of people peacefully protesting and making their voices heard yeah we we have the ability to have that narrative you know a, a guy that i follow online uh he talks about the 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 long cut is being the truth. And every time we as editors make a cut, we're telling a lie, <laughs> you know, or and it's funny to me. The truth in some yeah, way, exactly. Yeah. Right. <laughs> it's funny to me that, that, I mean, it, it, that's very true. And that's, you know, as editors, we have a tremendous amount of power where that's concerned, you know, but hopefully you're using your powers for awesome in that regard that, that we can start yeah. to curate and manufacture what, what, what messages we want to go on you know it's Absolutely. not saying that stuff doesn't exist but i think like you know the what we have is this reason to showcase a different version of of, of the truth i guess and to create so. change in in any sense whether it's with civil rights or just the corporate communication message like you need yeah. to shake people up and like i mean yeah. look at all artists like isn't that that's what we do we personify things so that right. people are shook up so that they like yeah they they're not going to pay attention to a nice little conversation. Like they're just no, not. So we're not trying to bring a solution to people. We're just trying to, I think our job is like, we're here to raise awareness so that people mm-hmm. understand that there is a problem to be yeah. solved. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that there, you know, I think that's the phase we're in right now too, Mark, like, and inevitably I feel like we have 
you know, to me now I'm looking a couple weeks down the road, you know, months down the road, I'm going as an educator, I know that there's a responsibility for us to now start to disseminate information. The lasting Mm -hmm. change is going to happen. If this concept specifically in terms of civil rights movement, the lasting uh, impact is going to be in terms of disseminating information that paints the picture of what, uh, why we are here. What is the historical context of why we're here in terms of communication I like one of my favorite things when we talk about, and this will resonate because we're all audio heads here. Like you get to a place where if I'm writing a song, like this is what bothers me the most and why I started to go back towards an analog style of recording is that you, if you look at a waveform, I won't go too deep in this. If you look at a waveform now, everything's so compressed that it's just a block of information, right? There's just nothing in terms of the dynamic range where that's going on. There's a reason dynamic range exists. And that reason is that the change from your amplitude level is allowing you to pay attention. There's a reason and a shift for you to pay attention is that jarring moment that we go, oh, something's different now. I need to, I need to tune in. And so, like you said, if, if the messaging from a video standpoint is just consistent, like, oh, let's make this nice, pretty thing. You know, the transitions are the same. It's a, just kind of blah. I'm like, I'm, I'm guilty of it too. Like there's times where a client says like, we just need this thing straight down the middle. Like, okay, cool. that's going to, you know, put food on the table for this month. But in terms of like what you hang your hat on as a creative, like you want to shake some stuff up and do something that is as meaningful, you know? So yeah, man, I, th- I think to your point, like giving us the space to really stretch out and start to make some stuff that shakes the cage a little bit. That's why I'm in it. You know, it's the balance and, and you have to understand that like you can't build longevity of a career on always being that person. If you got a you know mortgage to pay, family to feed, insurance, all that type of stuff, like you got to take the gigs that are going to pay the bills. And the perfect time is when those two things meet and you have somebody that as a client has creative vision that's allowing you to stretch out, they give their two cents, but let you do your thing. Those are the perfect projects, but I don't get those all the time. You know, I'm trying to fire my bad clients where that stuff's concerned, but like, <laughs> you know, yeah. we, we know when we get one where it's like, Oh, this is going to be a meaningful, this is the moment, right? This moment where, where we're building a career on. So I think right now we're, we're, we're getting a few of them and, and thankfully we're in a place where, you know, we, we are our own, like I said, we're our own broadcast channels and, um, and, and, uh, I'm just grateful that I'm in a place where I can see that that's our role, um, and execute on it and have the support, not only from my family, but from the greater community to say, you know, let, let's keep going. It's been, it's been amazing. From a storytelling standpoint, I've, I just really appreciate your, your viewpoint on that, you know, and I don't know if that comes back from a musician's background or not as i'm sure it does but like how can people how can filmmakers how can creatives get out there right now and just like tell impactful high impactful stories because yeah i do think starting out it's super easy just to do like oh here's a b-roll video and then send that to a client and they're like there's no context to this you know right how do you craft that story i guess is what i'm trying to i think i think there's aspect like i've always heard my entire life story 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 so there's an element of 
that just that's kind of been woven into my fiber, so to speak. The only reason I give that context is I don't want people to think like you just wake up and you read a like that's just been my experience. You know, there's a way of 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 approaching it from how do you construct story, but I've just always heard like, oh, that's a great story, or even like you know, you're sitting around shooting the shit with your buddies and someone puts together you're like, oh, that's I'm, I'm tuning into the beginning, middle, and an end, and starting to pay attention to those types of narratives. Um, I think, uh, Mark, one of the things that like really attracted me to you is like you're when you're putting up those bite-sized pieces of content in the car. And I think the rep, the reps are what really made me tune in because the messaging was always clean, but I was like, yo, he's actually, he's putting in the time to do this on a consistent basis. And I think that that's the key, right? So I mentioned like I did 200 movies in 200 days. What did that give me the ability? Like I watch those things back now. Like my kids love like seeing their birthday party or whatever. I cringe. The shots are terrible. <laughs> like the color's horrible. <laughs> yeah. My edits are just trash. Like, but what that forces you to do is think through a narrative in a very structured way. And it and, and you have to start analyzing it from the standpoint of like, why am I even making this video to begin with? And what one of my favorite series is uh, Abstract, the Netflix original. And the first episode of the first season, this guy Christoph Neiman. And uh, I see Eric nodding his head. I think he's, he's feeling me on this one too. So the, one of the most impactful moments of that thing is, you know, this guy's got more covers on the New Yorker than any other illustrator to have ever existed. Yeah. Um, and he's, he's in two locations. He's got a place in New York. He's got a place in Berlin. And he was walking into his office in Berlin. And he says that I, as a creative, know that 99% of my work is complete trash. But in order for me to get to the 1% greatness, I have to go through the garbage every single day. So, and they show the clock and they go from nine to six, my pen's on paper and I'm drawing and I'm doing the reps. And so this is where, you know, I have this, I've kind of dominated this little hashtag that says export every day. And like, I keep just showing people like the reps are the, the reason that I have to do this because I can't get to the great stuff without pushing through all of the nonsense and the garbage that's in there. Um, Seth Godin's like one of my favorite people in the world. He's this like marketing guru. Uh, and he talks about this, the difference between, um, professionals and creatives and creatives, you know, they need to be in the zone and they have to feel it and they have to do all these different things. And he goes, professionals show up and they ship every day. You're paying me to show up and speak. I have to speak, not because I'm feeling it, but because that's my job. And I, again, it goes back to like, what is our job? Our job is to tell stories, but you have to be able to get through the repetitions of what it means to tell great narratives. And so when I was, you know, I think when we were connecting, I was, I was doing these like crazy, almost like Jesse Driftwood produced stories yes. where like <laughs> you were coming along on my day. Um, you know, I, I, I teach and every other way I get around on campus is I have an electric skateboard. And so it would just be these like thought bombs that I would have um, as I was moving through it. And, and it would be like, oh, this is like the story of me as an individual. I'm documenting. I'm not reflecting like this is my process. And, and that's really what kind of gave me this, this inspiration and this leg to stretch out in that world is to say like, what am I, what am I actually trying to say? I'm trying to inspire you, but how can I inspire you? I can't just start to speak at you. That's really, that seems a little too highbrow. So how do I show you that this is just my thought process that I'm trying to get across? Oh, like this, these are the things I'm thinking on as I'm, you know, going for a run or if I'm running down to the store, 
And that's, that's really, the story's not really that complicated. We all live them every single day. We just kind of downplay some of the details and the, 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 you know, really important points of it. Um, and then constructing that arc that makes it make sense is just practice and it's just reps. So I think you're, you know, to kind of dance around the beginning filmmaker side of it, you got to pay attention to what people are doing, how they're constructing their narratives, why they're constructing their narratives. What are the things that are moving you as, as a viewer that you resonate with and why the technical ability is really only a small percentage of it. Cause you know, we've all in, in on the call right now, we've all picked up our phone and documented something that was super meaningful and, the, and your composition was trash. Your edit was shit. There's no cool <laughs> transitions. The audio is iffy, but you, you had the context of what that story meant to the individual it was meant for. Um, and that's really? what makes it meaningful, you know? But I really feel like the, the only way you get through that is reps and just making sure that you constantly are are putting something out there, taking the resounding feedback in, recalibrating, going back out there and, and doing more of those things. So it's a process. But like I said, like we're this is our job. I teach songwriters all the time. I teach copyright licensing and publishing and then like entrepreneurship for creative artists. And so or for artists, they're kind of redundant. And I say all the time, people, you know, we go through the process of how do you calculate royalties and, and I'm not going to go into all that stuff, but people, it's mind numbing to people that you do all this work and it's only worth a couple pennies. If that, like the streaming universe, it's literally like a thousandth of a penny. And they're like, God, that's so unfair. <laughs> I said, well, it's unfair if that's the only thing you ever do. But if you <laughs> consider yourself a songwriter and you're only writing one or two songs a year, then that's a hobby and you need to go work at Denny's serving moons over Miami. Like that's not how this world works. If you're yeah. creative, you got to work and create and put stuff out all of the time. Yeah. You I'll can't. never, I'll never, never forget when I was in college, I learned like how much percentage Taylor Swift owns of her own brand. And, yeah, yeah. and you know, I think now it's down to like 4%. It was like 7%. Yeah. People were like, yeah, that's bullshit. And yeah. all this, and I was like, wait a second, just sit back and calculate how much money it's like she either could have done this by herself and maybe right. made forty, fifty, sixty thousand dollars a year, yep. or she could have grown this team and record label and this thing and that thing, and now her four percent is, you know, ungodly Gantry. millions, millions Gantry. of dollars. Gantry. Yeah, I mean, she's she in particular is such an anomaly in that regard too, because she is yeah. such a killer business person. Like she yeah. is just such a killer, um, and th th those are few and far between, right? But I think it's the same principle of like, right, right. Like, and I think what's so interesting about her, especially is like that archetype of business person and creative mm. is thankfully becoming more and more prevalent in that yeah. you have to have this understanding of both in yes. order to have longevity. And that's what I think people often miss as younger creators is like, you don't, if you really want to be able to do this for the rest of your life, you have to have a long-term focus in terms of what this means. And you don't get there without there being some balance of both of those, those elements. Um, a career is, is just that. A job is a completely different concept, right? And so these building blocks and foundational principles of what it means to have longevity, I think we, we have to talk to younger creators a lot earlier. Some of them just get it, right? They're like the savants. You're like, dude, if I had your aptitude at your age, like it'd be a whole different ball game. But, um, 
but that's been like my cross to bear is to understand that there there is a process that you have to go through. You don't have to be like, you know, this full-blown CPA in order to do it. That's not what I'm saying, but like the principles on what it means to build client relationships, to market yourself in an appropriate manner, like to, to all of those things um, become secondary to like, what camera do I have and what transition pack can I buy? And like, look at my boy does this stuff with this person and my girl is, it's like, that's cool, dude. But like, are you the person that's getting the callbacks? Like, let's start there. Right. You know, you're 30,000 people on Instagram that are following you. Like that doesn't translate to dollars all the time. It really doesn't. I know plenty of people that have zero following on social, uh, but will literally buy you four times over because they're running a very, very effective agency. So, and it's not all about money. I'm not trying to make that seem, but, but, but the aspiration that is a part of you having this career. So, yeah. yeah. So, yeah. But passion and money kind of go living a passion, a passionate life and yeah. money. They don't necessarily go hand in hand, but they're right alongside each other. Like if you want a family and you right. want to live in a nice house, right. You can't do that without having money. Right. I, look like I, th- I think as cliche as this is like money is, is transparent. Absolutely. Right? You, yes. it, you as the individual are going to make that money have um, meaning. Yeah. Right. And you're going to put the ethical context on what that means. You know, you talk about passion, you talk about all this stuff. Like it, it's all of that. Like, yes, all of that stuff has to be there. Right. It has to be there. But when you move it into this realm of like, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm getting a little bit older. I want to settle down. I want to, but I don't want to leave this stuff behind. You got to put some structure around that. Right. And, and I think what oftentimes happens is people underestimate, I think, do I have it? No. So I, I found that I'm not going to do like any crazy promotion, but like these coffee cups are really amazing. And they have like th- these little sayings on them. <laughs> one of my favorite ones, I bought two. Uh, and one of my favorite ones is uh, I'd rather hustle 24 seven than work nine to five. And yes, I'm, I'm all for a work-life balance. That's why I chose to dip out on a corporate life. Like I want to be around my family and see my boys. And like, you know, at any given point, you know, in the day we're doing wrestling and going on a bike ride and doing all that fun stuff. That's part of my lifestyle design. Mm-hmm. But the, the consequence of that is that there, I don't, we don't have days off. There is okay. no time where I'm not thinking about like, Oh, can I get five minutes to color this project? Can I get another 20 minutes to do some yeah. sound design? Can I do like, how can I invoice? How can I reach out and market? How can I le- lean against and, and just check in on my, my friend first client second? Can we go to lunch? You're always on the grind in that regard. And so to, I think a lot of creators understand that for, for the most part, but to know that it's just, so omnipresent in terms of things that you have to do in order to build a career. That's not just like how good you are at the craft of filmmaking at the craft of editing. It can't be that. And I said this all the time, like, and this is a tip you guys probably on some level relate as a musician on the musicianship side. Like I wouldn't get the callback because I was the best bass player or the best vocalist. I would get the callback because I I told a good joke and I was easy to deal with. (laughs) I showed up on time. I stayed later to help clean up. Like, I would, I bought the lunch that day. Yeah. Like you get, you get the callback because you're enjoyable to work with and you build authentic relationships. Absolutely, It's all all about relationships. So I, I, you know, that's kind of, I think those are my two things. It's like you, the craft has to be there. The export every day has to be there. You have to go through the reps, 
But then at the same time, if you're not consciously building your relationships and your reputation, um, you do, it's not going to last for you. You just can't. And that comes with this, this, it's a lifestyle. That's really what it is. As a creative, yes. you don't have a job, you have a lifestyle. And I, I forget and, who and, said it. Maybe, maybe you know it, but like you're only as good as your last at bat. You're only as good as your sure. last success. Right. As an entrepreneur. Terrifying. It is. I mean, I, that can literally, I mean, it's set me into anxiety and depression yeah. at times because it's like you get so high and then you're like, oh, wait, I've had to do that again. Yeah. And it's yeah. all on you as an entrepreneur. I think that's sure. hidden. Really, maybe not hidden, but just something that's not always talked about is like you do, you've got to put in the reps because the reps are going to train you for the ups and the downs. And I do that. So I was, uh, I was fortunate to participate in uh, the last couple culminations for the graduate for my alma mater, um, and I, I was reading names at graduation. And we had a, a different uh, type of ceremony this year, obviously because of COVID. But um, at some point, I get to talk to now my peers. You know, they're formerly my students, now they're my peers. Um, and what I tell them is, look, like you get to a place where this last like three months of your life is just chaos. You've got classes going on, but at the same time, you've got to prep for your comprehensive exam. At the same time, you're thinking like, am I going to stay in LA? Am I going to move back home? What type of job am I going to do? I'm getting interviews coming in. I've got my family's coming in for tickets. I got, you've got all this stress that's, that's going on at the same time. Uh, majority of them don't have kids. The majority of them have, you know, they may be partnered off with someone, but it's not, you know, as, as crazy as it is when you're married and you have kids, you got a mortgage and all right. that stuff. And I look back on that time in, in a very different light than I feel my peers did. Hmm. They were going, Oh, so crazy. I, I never want to do that again. I went, this is my new baseline now. Now I understand where, what I'm capable of. And now I can build on top of that moment. So when I say like, it's a lifestyle and you have to keep pushing, like that's, that's really what I mean. And you, you go, you're only as good as your last at bat, like as terrifying a statement as that is like me looking back on the four-year-old YouTube videos going, this is complete trash to what I'm putting out today, which in four years from now, I'm going to look back as complete trash. Thankfully, like my new baseline just keeps moving. And, and if you're, if you give yourself grace and you have an understanding of what it takes to progress in a creative career, you know, that, that it's that you're going to have, you know, some flubs in there. You're going to be able to, you know, to walk away and go, that wasn't perfect, but it was good enough for the client, which is really the, the biggest thing that matters. Um, I, and as long as you're learning from those mistakes, your process is improving, um, your technique is improving, your communication style is improving. That's the thing I care about the most. I don't care about perfection because that's what killed my career as a musician. I was, I was, I was obsessed with the wrong thing. Uh, I care about progress. And, and, you know, my, my guy boss says this all the time. He goes, I don't get too high with the highs. And I don't get too low with the lows. I try and stay right in the middle. Um, and, it, you know, that's another just great kind of bossism that I've taken on with myself is like, you get to a point where every once in a while you can pat yourself on the back. Hopefully your network of people is doing it for you. Um, you take that grain of salt and you go, cool, I'm going to stick that in, you know, in David Goggins cookie jar and I'm going to keep moving <laughs> after that. Right. Like I've done it. It's cool. There's still more work to be done. And, and like you said, Mark, like I'm only as good as my last at bat, but like, look, let's just keep making sure that each one of these things is good. is better in some way, you know, what boils down to it. It is, it's just about putting in the reps, keep pushing, 
the baseline improves every day. I like that um, export every day. I think that's yeah, great. Love that. that's, that's I'm trying amazing. to get it to spread, man. I, I, it's uh, I, There's like 100 posts on that hashtag, and I think 99 of them are me. So if you guys want to take it, like grab it and run. Because I Hang think I'll throw some hashtags at that. Yeah. yeah, man. The ideology of that to me is is so important you know, because of the stuff that we were talking about with, with Neiman, but like, um, I think just as crazy, like you, you got to work because there's so many people, unfortunately, they're just wondering like, why isn't this working out for me? It's like, dude, create, put some stuff out there and let the world decide what they, they think is great, you know? And, and, and then, and course correct, like adjust to the feedback that you're getting and, and move on. So the only way to me that I've been able to see that is the constant like push of content and mm. seeing what resonates and seeing what doesn't. So, uh, how can we all follow you, Robert? Oh, yeah, yeah. What you're doing. That's a great question. Um, you can, uh, I think the thing I'm most active in terms of communication with, and I'm, I'm a, I respond to everyone that, that ever sends me anything because uh, I think it's such a foundational thing, but uh, RMT, so Robert Mary Todd shoots like bang, bang on uh, Instagram. And you can search Robert T. Garden on YouTube and, and find me there too. I'm putting out content like this and filmmaking stuff all the time. So um, those are my two big ones. And uh, and I, I love talking to people. I think that, that that's one of the greatest things we have about the, the interwebs is their ability to connect. So, so hit me up. I want to hear from you. You heard that, everybody. So that is what we're going to wrap today. Robert, this has been an amazing conversation. Tons of good advice. Honestly, I'm the one that edits these, and I don't think there's anything I need to trim. <laughs> There you go. <laughs> and I'm going to say that that is so rare. I think that we're just going to have a, this is going to be our longest podcast to date. Full truth. Yeah, right. Yeah, Un, there you go. Uncut, Full uncensored. Hey, you, you might even there. put in the <laughs> intro or the, the pre roll into it, too. You know? There you go. <laughs> oh, what are you talking? There was no pre-roll. As soon as he was on, we started talking for real, for real. That wasn't pre-roll. The interview Love started it. early. <laughs> we threw in an intro just for posterity. That was it. There you go. Anyway, on that note, for all our listeners out there, if you've not already, search us on our Facebook group, our Instagram, the video community. Join our community. Help us shift the paradigm of filmmaking for the better. We would love to have you. Let's make it a conversation. Let's talk about what Robert talked about today. Have a safe weekend. We love you all. And we'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Ambitious Filmmaker. Have something you want us to talk about? Interested in chatting with like-minded filmmakers? Join the conversation over at our free Facebook group and subscribe to our Instagram. Just search the video community. We'll see you next time. And remember, always be creating.